When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for this Tuesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. My name is Joe Orico, and I am your host. You guys can hit me up over on Twitter at JoeOrico99. That's J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. You guys never miss any of my content when you're following over there. You get these podcasts, my articles, everything I pull together on Twitter. It's all in one place on the Bird app, so please do go check me out. We'll be doing a pretty standard show today. We'll be looking back on some of yesterday's top performers. We'll go through the waiver wire, see who's being added and who's being dropped. And then, of course, before we let you guys go, I'll give you my matchup of the evening. But we will start off, as usual, by looking back on some of yesterday's top players. And the number one scoring player yesterday, at least when we're looking at Yahoo standard scoring, which is generally how I pull these lists together. It's not always how it works, but I'll take a look and see who was the highest scoring players in Yahoo points leagues. And that gives me a general idea of who had a pretty good game yesterday. And the number one scoring player was Garrett Mitchell, the outfielder for the Milwaukee Brewers. Now, there's going to be some of you who are not aware of who Garrett Mitchell is. I was one of those people up until pretty recently. I'm not the most tuned in on the minor league stuff, mostly just concerned with what's going on in Major League Baseball. But Garrett Mitchell is a bit of an interesting one here. So he hit a home run yesterday, and he also stole a base. In his seven at-bats so far, he's got a couple hits, yes, but he scored three times. He's driven in four runs. He does have a walk, and like I said, he has a steal already. And when you look at what he did in the minor leagues this season, he was hitting 343, five home runs, and 17 steals, which is across, uh, across three different levels. So he's probably worthy of a deeper league ad. I'm just a little bit worried about, you know, uh, at this point of the year, I've, I've said this a lot, we really need everybody to be contributing to the best of their abilities. And this was a good couple of games from Garrett Mitchell, specifically yesterday. I just don't know that we're going to be able to see this consistently over these last couple of weeks. This is very important time of year to be trusting with someone who has just been called up, who's not a massively high prospect. I mean, when I look at Eric Cross is the person I trust up there with the Welsh, one of the people I, I look at their rankings quite a bit. And when you look at Eric's most recent prospect rankings, this was from July, but Garrett Mitchell was his 168th ranked prospect. Now, I've said this a lot. I don't focus so much on the minor leagues. So when there is a player that comes up, I tend to look at what other analysts are saying. Now, when there's someone like Corbin Carroll who comes up, we'll be talking about him later. He's somebody that I'm more familiar with. Obviously, those top prospects are a lot easier to keep track of. Garrett Mitchell, I think there is some potential here for a deeper league ad, maybe in a 15-teamer, a deeper points league kind of thing. For the most part, though, I don't think that he's really going to cut it. Five outfielders, even then, like there are there are a lot of outfielders, even the ones that might not always be the sexiest, um, give you the sexiest stat lines, but I think I would trust them more than I would trust Garrett Mitchell here. A speculative, deeper league ad, no one's going to give you too much grief for, especially after a combo meal, a home run, and a steal. That's obviously as good of an outcome as you can pretty much expect from anybody on any given night, to steal a base and hit a home run. 
people are going to be interested just because of that, and we'll get into our ads and drops later. But he's gone to about 4% rostered on Yahoo. There are some people who are starting to jump in. I'm just not quite there yet for him. I think that there are probably some safer options this time of year, given outfield, infield, utility, whatever the case may be. I'm not so sold on a, a Garrett Mitchell ad just yet. But maybe we'll see later on this week if he keeps it up. It might be something to note. But he's still available in a bunch of leagues. It's not like he's jumped up to 20 25% here today. Give it a couple days, see if he's able to keep this up. And then if so, then place your waiver claims. But for right now, I would say to just hold off. Let's move on now and talk about the highest scoring pitcher of the day from yesterday. Believe it or not, it was Jose Suarez of the Angels. He threw six innings against the Yankees. He got the victory, allowing two earned runs, three walks, and striking out six. Only threw 87 pitches over six innings as well. I would have never thought we'd be talking about Jose Suarez as being a decent pickup at this time of season, but Jesus, he's kind of forcing our hands here a little bit. Over the last month, 28 and two-thirds innings, 29 strikeouts, three victories in that time, and he's won four of his last six starts too which is definitely interesting, especially with the Angels. Uh, a 2.51 ERA in that span and a 1.01 whip. Now, the main thing that leads me to want to add him here, if it was like, let's say he had done this uh, against whatever team and his next start was against the Yankees, you're not going to be adding him. For the most part, I think most people would be more cautious than that. But his next outing is against the Tigers. It'll be next Monday, and I would be pretty interested in that outing uh, just thinking about it right here without looking at the rest of the guys going Monday and everything else. Obviously, next Monday, pretty much every single league will be into head-to-head playoffs. Now, if you're in Roto formats, it's still, I've said this before, it's not going to be called the playoffs, but it's essentially your crunch time to make up any last-minute points you can in, in whatever category you need to make up points in. It's essentially the playoffs. It's never, it's never really called that, but it's essentially your playoff. So, is he a kind of guy you really have a lot of faith in during your quote-unquote postseason run? Probably not. But when you see what he's done recently in the start coming up against the Tigers, pretty interesting name to just keep in mind uh, when you're putting in your ads next week on Saturday, Sunday, whenever it is looking forward to the week ahead. Jose Suarez is somebody I would keep in mind. Not that he's going to be necessarily the top of the list. He's not going to be a 10-team guy. But if you're just talking about your standard... 12-team-plus streaming options. Uh, Jose Suarez, definitely somebody I'm going to be keeping an eye on. Really solid stuff from him recently. Good strikeout numbers, 6, 5, 5, 8, and 5 over his last few outings. I mean, he's not he's not great, but he's serviceable, and he's got a great enough matchup coming. So I, I'll, I'm definitely interested here uh, for that next outing against the, uh, against the Tigers. Excuse me. Let's talk about O'Neal Cruz here for a second. He hit an absolute bomb of a home run off Corbin Burns yesterday. 117 miles an hour, and there were three balls that he hit that were over 113. There was 113.8 mile an hour line out and 113.2 mile an hour ground out, and then 117.5 on the home run. It literally was out of the park before Cruz could be halfway to first base. Like he absolutely destroyed it. Now, has he been maybe a little bit frustrating to roster? Absolutely. He's batting 200, and for the most part, he's been under that 200 range. He's just right on it exactly right now. But in his 205 at-bats, he has scored 25 times. He's driven in 33. He's hit 11 home runs and stolen six bases. Like, that's serious production. If you're in a points league, O'Neill Cruz has been unreal for you. Even in a category league, I think for the most part, you'll take that low batting average just because he's been producing everywhere else. So where O'Neill Cruz is still available, and he is still available, like he's at 45% right now on Yahoo. When he first got called up, it was like up to 75, 80% right away, and then people kind of got fed up with him. 
I don't really think there's much reason for him to be available. If you're a team that is like, I don't know, if you're desperate need of batting average and that's the one category you need, then okay, O'Neill Cruz is not really going to help you out much. But he does a little bit of everything, especially on an offense that is that is garbage. They are a piss poor offense. And yes, recently he's only scored two runs in the last week and only driven in three, which did happen yesterday. It has not been the hottest little stretch for him, but what he's got inside of him, power speed wise, everything wise, really, uh, he should not be available at this point of the season. He does have that kind of league winning potential where he could go off and hit five or six home runs in a week and steal three bases. Like he, he legitimately has that in him. I don't think that it's right that he should be available really in any league where we're talking 12 teams and deeper. If it's a 10 team league, he's probably pretty close. It's it's probably a coin flip in a 10-team league, but anything deeper, I would not be letting O'Neill Cruz just sit around on waivers. He's too valuable. At least for me, if I saw him in any of my leagues still available, I would absolutely scoop him up. But let's move on now, and we'll quickly touch on the MVP race in the American League because we haven't talked about these two in quite a while, but they both hit home runs yesterday, so let's discuss it briefly. Aaron Judge hit his 50th home run of the season, and he became the 10th player and I forget if it was American League or Major League history. I think it's Major League history to have multiple 50 home run seasons. We are still in August, and this guy has 102 runs, 110 ribbies, 14 steals, and a 294 batting average. Now, Shohei Otani also hit a home run yesterday, second consecutive game with a home run for him. Hard to really say um, Otani versus Judge at this point. I, I go back and forth consistently about who I would personally give the MVP to and just looking at the pitching stat or let's just look at the hitting stats first and then we'll talk about the pitching stats briefly so 125 games 29 homers 79 RBIs an 882 OPS for Otani a 267 batting average he's stolen 11 bases but he's been caught eight times so it hasn't been that beneficial for the Angels I guess I mean it doesn't really matter what the Angels have done at this point because they're just not doing anything but getting caught eight times is definitely not ideal. If you look at the pitching side, he's actually improved what he's done last season uh, on the mound. Now, he's taken a bit of a step back at the dish, perhaps. But on the mound, he's 11-8 and eight with a 267 ERA, 176 strikeouts in 128 innings. I don't know. I, I've gone back and forth so many times on this. I have a bit of money on Otani, like 20 bucks, 30 bucks. I don't even remember that I put... Uh, God, I guess it was maybe two months ago at this point. And I'm just going to let it ride because I think there's a decent chance that he'll still win MVP. But I think it should be Aaron Judge at this point. Like, yes, what Otani is doing is remarkable. Otani is an absolute unicorn of a baseball player. We're never going to see this again, most likely. I mean, maybe people will start to bring their kids up and try and force them into this kind of thing because it's clearly working for Otani. There will be parents that try and have their kids do both. And minor league coaches that attempt the same thing, but we don't really know if we're ever going to see this kind of production from Otani again. And I think that's where a lot of people come from in the MVP voting, balloting, uh, predicting, betting sphere, is that this is just so unique. But we have to also look at how unique well, what Aaron Judge is doing this season. Like, to have 50 home runs at this point of the year, to be on pace to hit, uh, I guess it's in the 60-ish, about 60, I guess, at this point. Like, people don't do that anymore. 60 home runs is seen as – I'm not sure exactly how the general public sees 60 home run seasons, but they are very rare. Like when we're talking about the single season home run records, we have Babe Ruth hit 60 home runs. We have Maris hit 61. 
And then Sosa, three times hit over 60. McGuire, a couple times over 60. And Barry Bonds hit 73. Now, I think we all know that Bonds, McGuire, and Sosa were getting a little bit extra help. And those probably are not legitimate numbers. And I'm being, I'm being overly PC here. I mean, they're not legitimate numbers. We know, we know that these guys are cheating. Uh, I mean, it's, it's just a fact. It's just an absolute fact. So can we look at these numbers and say that they're impressive? Yes. But when we look at what Judge is doing and the fact that he has a legitimate chance to be the highest home, have the highest home run total from the non-steroid era, that's seriously impressive. Now, I'm sure Judge is getting tested every couple days this season. I remember when Jose Batista really, really broke out with the Blue Jays. I guess it would have been 20, 2009, 2010. And they were literally drug testing this guy like multiple times a week. I'm sure the Judge gets them like pretty damn regularly. So we would know if there was something fishy going on at this point. I would imagine anyway. But like it, at this point, I think he is the MVP. When you just when you look at that, when you look at the steals, the 14 steals. He's batting almost 300. He's, his team is doing very well. And I know a lot of people think that that shouldn't matter in the whole MVP race. I think it absolutely should play a factor. It should not be the most important thing. But if your team is in last place and you're having a career year, you know, you're 50 home runs, 100 RBIs, whatever, but your team is terrible, that doesn't mean as much to me as if you're doing that for a first-place team. It just doesn't. Individually, yes, you can't do much with – what you're, you know, you have no control over what your management is going to do, bringing in other assets. Uh, there's just so much that's out of your control as a baseball player compared to especially other sports like basketball, like football, where there are positions that have a little bit more control over the outcome of the game. Point guards and quarterbacks have a lot more say on the success of their team than, say, a right fielder would. How, no matter how great the right fielder is or center fielder or even shortstop, whoever, um, the significance of every individual in baseball is kind of watered down compared to those other sports, just because there's so many people on the field. So maybe some people don't think it matters if your team is winning or not. I think that that's BS. When you look at what Judge and the Yankees have done, and they're like 25, 30 games better than the Angels this year, I don't know how that doesn't play at least some kind of factor into it. Of course, Otani is ridiculous. There is no denying Otani is one of the greatest athletes we are ever going to see. But I'll say what a lot of people say on Twitter. Is it just every year we're going to give him the MVP now? Like, yes, this is an exceptional season. 29 home runs, 80 RBIs. ERA is 267. He's been fantastic. You can't really say that Judge has not been fantastic. And that Judge's offensive output this season is the best we've seen going back to Barry Bonds and those guys. Are there seasons where Pujols had kind of similar numbers? Yes, but not with home runs. Like, he had very high batting averages, but he never was pushing 60 home runs. Like, this is a really, really unique season, and I think that they will reward it. And I just want to see what Pujols' home run career high was. It was 49. He did hit 49 home runs in 2006. That was his career high. And, yes, you could maybe make the argument that those seasons are pretty close, but Aaron Judge this year, man, if you're going to hit 60 home runs, steal 20 bases and bat like around 300, that's insane and it should be recognized, especially thinking back to 2017, how he probably should have been the MVP. Objectively speaking, without the whole Astros BS that went on, just look at the stats between him and Altuve. Go back and look at 2017 and tell me what you think because I really think that Aaron Judge should have been the MVP that year and I think that he will be the MVP this year. And whether it's the makeup board or not, I think that's just the way that things will play out.
Let's keep it going now here with our waiver wire portion of the show. I'll just go through the most added and drop players across fantasy baseball today. And the number one ad is Nick Martinez. Now, he has been given a vote of confidence by Bob Melvin last night. He said that he is the, currently his preferred closer. I still think that Josh Hader will get opportunities later on in the season. I think that, I said this yesterday, he is their ideal guy for the playoffs. Nick Martinez has done a fantastic job filling in here. And throughout the season, he has been a very serviceable arm. But when it gets time to crunch time in the postseason, the real baseball playoffs, not our fantasy playoffs, you'd figure that they're going to want the guy who has far more experience under his belt as a closer, the fireballing lefty. I feel like that's just what they're going to go to at the end of the day. Martinez can be fantastic down the stretch here, but regardless, I think that Hayter will get other opportunities. Should Martinez be added? Yes, absolutely. For the time being, he can give you some saves. He can give you some decent ratios with decent strikeout numbers. But I do still think that Josh Hader at some point will keep getting saves. So add for now, Martinez. But once Josh Hader gets another save opportunity, do not be afraid to drop because it will happen. Mark my words, at some point this year, Josh Hader will be the closer again. Let's talk Corbin Carroll. I added him up in three leagues yesterday to go along with my home league where I already had him stashed in the NA slot. I'm a very, very happy boy today in that regard. He went one for five. He had a couple of runs. He knocked in a couple as well. He had a beautiful double that went the opposite field. And it helped the Diamondbacks get the victory over the Phillies yesterday. It was 13-7. to seven. If you can still get Corbin Carroll, I would absolutely be doing it. If you have fab money left, if you're a first waiver priority, absolutely go and do it. Uh, I have been pretty cautious with my fab. In the league where I – okay, so I'm in some waiver leagues. I'm in some fab leagues. In the, in the fab league where I picked him up, that's the league where I've been really, really strong this season. I've been in first for almost the entire way, and it's a $100 Yahoo fab budget. I had spent, I think, 18 17 bucks going in. I had I forget what it was. I think 82 bucks, and I threw 30 on Corbin Carroll yesterday, and I even probably could have spent more. I wanted to save myself a little bit of money for the playoffs just for pitching streams, make sure I get the guys I want. But I'm happy to throw, like – the majority of your fab budget remaining at Corbin Carroll. There's not many guys. There's nobody else who's going to come up this season. At least I'd be very surprised if they do, who are going to give you five category potential with massive power, massive speed. We listed off his monitors numbers yesterday, but he was, he was slashing 307, 425 and 611 with 24 homers and 11 steals uh, across three levels in the minor league system this year for Arizona, 422 plate appearances. He is simply going to be one of the best players in baseball, I think. Now, I said it off the top. I'm not the most tuned in with prospects, with the minor leagues. I am more of a major league guy. Redraft, this is a redraft podcast, so I am not the most tuned in. But the consensus on Corbin Carroll from Diamondbacks people, from prospect people, from baseball fantasy people is that this guy projects to be somewhere in the 280 to 300 type batting average range and give you 20-20 seasons every year with the potential for maybe a few less home runs than that and far more steals than that. Hypothetically, he could be a 35-40 steal guy. Absolutely a must-roster player. 45%. I forget what the number was when we were talking yesterday. I think it was like 31 maybe. I'd have to go back and listen to the show. I think it was 31. Might have even been in the high 20s, honestly. I can't remember now. But we have jumped up well over 10% just today, and that'll just keep going up and up and up. And he will be a guy who is in that 70-plus percent range, like Vaughn Grisham, like we saw with O'Neill Cruz and he was called up, like Rutschman, like these guys that deserve to be rostered. Michael Harris, you know, there are prospects where 
you're kind of hit or miss, a little bit not sure. Brett Beatty was that recently. Obviously, guys like Kalanick. Uh, Kirilov has been kind of up and down because of injuries and stuff. But Carroll, like, just go ahead and grab him and don't worry about it right now. The only thing that could stop him is the Diamondbacks. Now, they had him batting eighth yesterday. This is not what we want to see going forward, but I don't think we will. I think for the most part, or at least eventually, we will see him move up in that batting order somewhere, I mean, probably a 2-3 kind of hitter, I would say, maybe 4. Uh, certainly not 8. I don't think that we can expect that for too long, unless they're really just trying to keep him under the at-bats limit. But I, I don't think so. I think we'll see him move up that order. And regardless, uh, absolutely go ahead and add him. Let's talk about some pitching now. I went through a few of these names yesterday when I was talking about my two-start pitching preferences for the week. But we're going to get through them again here because they are being added up quite a bit today. So we'll go through them briefly. Matt Manning is the most added one of these players we're going to be talking about. More than 7,000 leagues over on Yahoo have scooped him up today. He's still 36% rostered, and he gets Seattle tonight. He will get Kansas City later in the week. He should be among your priority ads, absolutely. Now, this next guy who's being added should be a higher priority ad, but he is a higher roster percentage as well, and that's George Kirby, and he also gets a two-step, and it's very tasty. We didn't talk about it yesterday because he is just you know, at the point where he's not really available in many places, 65%. But Detroit and Cleveland, that is his two-step. Both starts on the road. Both big ballparks, specifically Comerica. You love pitching at Comerica. And George Kirby has just been elite now for a good little while. The walk rates are just just stunningly low. He's striking batters out. He's not giving up so many runs. He's an absolute must-roster player, and specifically in a two-step here, Detroit and Cleveland, that's about as good as you're going to hope for. The next guy who's been added up, and we talked about him as well, is Cole Irvin. And he is somebody who I've been a massive fan of for quite a while now. His two starts are Washington tonight and then Baltimore later on in the week. Again, this is like a a pretty close to ideal two-step. The last one we're going to be talking about here is Cal Quantrill, and he gets Baltimore tonight, and then later on in the week he'll get Seattle. So all four of those guys, Manning, Kirby, Irvin, and Quantrill, all make for really, really excellent streamers. And even you could argue, I mean, Kirby is a rest-of-season guy. He's not just a streamer. Irvin, you could make a really strong argument that he is also a rest-of-season guy. He has done well over his last month or so against teams like the Astros multiple times, the Yankees, the Blue Jays. He's not going to give you many strikeouts, but he is definitely a solid, high-floor kind of player. Now, Quantrill is not like a must-roster rest-of-season kind of guy for me, and neither really is Matt Manning, but they've both been really, really good recently, and they're both guys who I'm happy to start until they hurt me kind of thing, which, of course, can be a choppy road. But they've got a bunch of great matchups. Like all the teams that we're seeing in these, uh, all the opponents we're seeing for these guys this week, like Washington, Baltimore, Baltimore, Seattle. Like you, you love to see these kind of things. Seattle, Kansas City, Detroit, Cleveland. Really, honestly, a fantastic week for two start pitching matchups. Assuming, hopefully, praying that there's no kind of BS pushing them back. And you like when the first start of the week is on a Monday in these two steps because it just gives you an extra day to factor in for bullshit and just to make sure that there's no. You know, uh, just what's an example? A guy starts on Tuesday, and then there's a game rained out Saturday or something, and then his Sunday start gets pushed back to the Monday. It's always better when that first start does come on that initial Monday, and then if there is a rain out, then maybe his Saturday start gets pushed back to Sunday. Not the end of the world. Here, everybody's starting Tuesday. We are taking some chances, for sure. And if you've added them up already and put them in a weekly lineup, you are taking a little bit of a chance. It's not like... It's not a big chance, 
But if there is weather delays, if there is a guy who gets pushed back for a day or whatever, or somebody gets recalled from the minors or injuries and managers just in a bad mood or whatever, there's a lot of different factors that can screw up a two-start week. But these guys, you got to be pretty confident that all of them will have will have two quality, quality outings. And if you're in daily changes leagues especially, now that is what I focus on. These guys are all must-adds. Really, I would, I would be a, not be opposed to adding up literally every single one of them. It's very risky, yes, but they are all in really great positions. It's probably going to be too much ad-wise to add up all of them, but there are some leagues, like one of my leagues, There's like you can use eight ads per week. Some of those guys that I know in those leagues are going to be trying to add up like three, four, two-star pitchers, wherever they can, even if they're not so strong. And if you are one of those people who is just like, give me all the two-starts, you got four really excellent options here today that I would definitely be taking a good look at. Now, there are a couple other pitchers who are going that are being added up that I'm not such a big fan of. And the number one here is Dakota Hudson. I mean, this is just asking for trouble. He's starting against Cincinnati at Great American Ballpark. He's coming off of a pretty good outing against the Cubs where he went seven innings, struck out four. But we're talking about Dakota Hudson here, the guy who literally is like allergic to strikeouts. The ratios are pretty shitty, if we're being honest here. A 423 ERA, a 139 whip. Like he's being added up. It's probably because of availability, but you're seeing him being added up more than guys like Kirby and Irvin and Quantrill. And it likely does come down to their roster percentages, but... Man, Dakota Hudson is like a shot in the dark for me at this point. He is not somebody I'd be very interested in at all. Spencer Watkins is another one who I think is an okay option here in deeper leagues. He's been all right, but another guy who doesn't really give you many strikeouts. The ERA is all right, 396. The whip is at 132. It just feels really risky to me here. I'm I'm not so big on, on Watkins or on Hudson. I would definitely be going, just to round it up one last time, in this particular order, if possible, I would go Kirby, and then I would go Irvin, and then I would go Manning, and then I would go Quantrill. Those are those are ideal, ideal pieces there. Let's talk about a couple of other ads. Trevor Rogers is supposed to return this week. Uh, I think he'll be tomorrow against the Rays. No, thank you. Absolutely not. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. But what if you've been fooled six, seven, eight times by Trevor Rogers this season already? No, no, thank you. He has been dreadful. Somebody else can deal with that problem. It will not be me. That's all we need to say about it. I'm not I'm not biting. I'm not taking the bait. Let's talk about Tyler O'Neill. He has hit five home runs in his last seven games. And while I love it, I also hate it because I wanted to buy him for cheap as hell next season in drafts. I figured, you, you know, easily post pick 100 at this point. He has been pretty dreadful this season, if we're being honest with ourselves. A massive disappointment. He was my preseason pick for NL MVP. I feel like a jerk-off, but hey, it's it happens. Tyler O'Neill has been disappointing, but now, over this last month, let's look at the last month. 17 runs, 7 homers, 20 RBIs, 1 steal, and granted, a 235 batting average, which can definitely be better. He batted 286 last season. He can bat better. He can do a better job than 235. This season as a whole, 233, not great. But right now, that power potential, that upside, mixed with the chance to steal some bases here, Batting in a fantastic lineup. We've mentioned this with Newbar and with Donovan. These guys are in a great lineup, and that's a huge piece of their value. O'Neal can stand on his own. We saw it last season with the home runs, with the steals. That, that doesn't involve your lineup. He is a talented player. It's just been a really hard year. But this is a time where if he is sitting around, I would go and add him. You know, if you're looking at him or Cody Bellinger or him or Brandon Lau, maybe. I'm going with Tyler O'Neill. They've all been kind of disappointing generally. 
O'Neal is turning it around in a big way, and I'm not trying to miss out here if I can. Unfortunately, he's not available in any of my leagues, but if he's available in one of yours, I would definitely give him a good look. Let's move on now, and we'll talk about the most dropped players across fantasy today. The number one drop is Ranger Suarez. He had a bit of a rough outing yesterday, to say the least, but it didn't really hurt you that much from a fantasy point of view. He gave up six runs, but only two of them were earned. He struck out four over three and two-thirds. It's not great, don't get me wrong, but I mean, he didn't, he didn't murder your whole week because of two earned runs there. Not ideal, and he's not a high upside guy, really. He doesn't strike out that many batters. He's just a good back-end guy with a pretty high floor that you can expect to usually give you five-ish innings with five or so strikeouts and, and decent ratios. I wouldn't be, you know, dropping him from every team or whatever today. You got to get him off your roster. I think he's totally fine to hang on to. If there's a massive upside guy like a George Kirby, I'd make the switch. But for the most part, I think you're okay to hold on here. Let's move on now to Brian Bayo, who had a pretty mediocre outing. Uh, he gave up three runs in four-plus innings, striking out two batters yesterday. His ERA, I didn't realize it was this bad, and it kind of surprises me that it is this high. But it's 727, and his whip is 2.08. Like, Jesus, Murphy, that's brutal. On, on, on a completely understandable drop. He's definitely better than this. Uh, he's, not, he's not that bad. But right now, this season, I don't think he's there. Hopefully next season he'll be able to give you more value, but at this point of the year, uh, really, really a risky play to send him out there. Uh, yeah, he's got to be dropped. He's got to be dropped. His counterpart yesterday was Dylan Bundy. He's another guy who completely understands dropping. Two runs on nine hits and four and two-thirds. He only struck out three. He's really not striking out anybody at all recently. He has five over his last 15 innings, 15 over his last 29 innings. Not really going to cut it for you at this time of year. He does not have great stuff. I mean, he's still keeping them in ball games relatively close. But I'm just, it's Dylan Bundy. You know, at the end of the day, it's Dylan frickin' Bundy. He needs he cannot be a, a member of your playoff roster. He's just not to be trusted. Let's go and talk about Jose Barrios. As brutal as it is, and if I sound dejected during this next segment, uh, it's because I live in Toronto, and I watch Jose Barrios every five days and then debate going and having a big drink afterwards most of the time. So it was four runs, ten hits, and five and two-thirds, no decision for him. It's just been an unbelievably disappointing season for Jose Barrios. The strikeouts have fallen off a little bit. The ERA is obviously bonkers. It's like two runs higher than it was last season almost. It's at 532. The whip is at 138. He's just not been cutting it. Now, I said, proudly proclaimed this week, feeling like a moron now, that he is somebody you have to start in these two outings. And I stand by that. It was the Cubs yesterday. It's the Pirates later in the week. I think he'll still probably do enough against the Pirates where he'll make it worthwhile. But Jesus Murphy, I feel like after that Pirates start, it's going to be kind of tough here to hold on to Jose Barrios during the crunch time of the season. Uh, man, I have one share, and it's a points league, so I'm not so concerned. Not a huge deal in points. doesn't kill you as much. It's still not great, but, I mean, it, it's not so bad. He's just so unreliable, and it's like you'll have two good starts from him, and you'll think, oh, okay. He's done this to us like five times this season, where it's like, okay, there's a couple of really good starts here. Brios is back. Send the offers in. Let, let me, let's get a bunch of Brios shares, and then it'll be four straight terrible outings, and then you're just thinking, what the hell is wrong with me? And then two in a row again, where, oh, it's nine strikeouts over six innings, one run. Wow, holy shit, that was great for Brios. I guess I'll, you know, pick him up and buy him and blah, blah, blah. It's like... It's just too much inconsistency. Earlier in the year, I, I'd given him a bunch of passes. You know, 
he's he's better than this. He's definitely a lot better than this. He will improve. The numbers will normalize. The ERA will end up at like four. It's just too much, man. Uh, I if I had him still in category leagues, I he would definitely be a sit a lot of the time. Now that Pirates start, you're gonna be starting him because it's the Pirates. It's it's the freaking Pirates. Like if he can't do well against the Pirates. We, we're going to be in a dark place here on the podcast the day after that outing because it's like if, if you cannot do well against certain teams in this league, you're definitely um, going to cause a lot of level of concern for your team's fan base and for people like myself who try and predict things of this nature, especially with Jose Barrios. It's just too much up and down for me, and honestly, after that Pirates start, I think it would make a lot of sense to drop him. But we'll reevaluate after then. We'll see. We'll see, man. It's a, it's a hard segment to get through Barrios all the time. It's always going to be tough. But let, let's keep it going here. Try and cheer, our, cheer ourselves up a little bit. But it's going to be Jake Fraley we are moving on to. Another drop. There's not much cheery news in the drop segment. But I do take some pleasure in the fact of knowing that it feels like I was right about Jake Fraley. There's been some times this season where I've been right and I've been wrong. And there's been times where I've been wrong and not felt good about it and right and not felt good about it. This is one where I think I was kind of right and I don't really feel great about it because I was kind of hoping that we'd see some more production out of Jake Fraley. I was just worried that it, it had all the, the telling signs of being a fleeting hot streak. It's just not who he is. Jake Fraley is not a guy who's going to be hitting you three, four home runs a week and stealing a bunch of bases. Can he steal you some bases? Sure. He was never going to be that guy who batted like over 300 and giving you production across the board. So he was a drop. He's a drop now. He was an ad, perhaps, in the short term. We did warn that it would be something that would be very much a short-term thing. So I'm, I'm totally cool with Jake Fraley getting dropped. It's unfortunate, but it's just the way of the road at this point. Miles Michaelis, he's also getting dropped. Not sure I'd really be dropping him here. It has not been the greatest little stretch for him. There's been some bad outings. But as a baseline guy, you know, obviously he's not going to blow you away, but he can give you some decent strikeout numbers. Good chance for wins on the Cardinals. Pretty much every time he takes the bump, there's a chance he can get a victory. Even with this terrible last month, the ERA for the year is still under 3-5. The whip is just a touch over one. I don't think there's a better options than Michaelis in a lot of different leagues. There will be some shallow leagues where I'm fine with you moving on. It's not going to be the end of the world. There's probably some better options, or at least a streamer or two, or a high-end high reliever that you can plug in there instead. I just think for the most part, you're not going to find those options. Now, I've talked at length about Andres Munoz and about how he makes for a really strong ad. If you wanted to make that kind of direct swap, I'm pretty okay with it. You know, just a one-for-one, somebody who can give you some strikeout boost, uh, you know, good ratios, the odd win, the odd save, something like that. It might be okay. I'm a big Munoz fan. I know his last outing he gave up a run or two, but for the whole here, um, I, I love what he does. So if you want to switch out a guy like Michaelis who is – not the greatest strikeout pitcher, decent ratios. You're, you're pretty much rostering him, hoping for some decent ratios and wins. You pretty much would be doing the same thing with a high leverage reliever. So if it is Munoz or Johan Duran, one of those guys I think that can have a similar level of value. So if you are going to drop Michaelis, those would be the kind of guys I would generally aim for. Either that or maybe one of these you know, high leverage, uh, two-start pit, not high, le- high leverage, but just these really great two-start pitchers that we've talked about at length over these last couple of days. Before I let you guys go, I quickly want to give you my matchup of the evening. It's going to be Zach Gallen and Aaron Nola tonight out in the desert. Aaron Nola has been one of my, both of these guys really have been a couple of my favorite pitchers this season. They're both 
definitely discounted in the offseason. And I have some shares of both, which I'm very happy about. Crazy thing here, just a crazy stat with Aaron Nola. His team is 15 games over 500. He has a 308 ERA and a .93 whip with only 21 walks in 166 innings. And he has a losing record. He is 9-10 and 10 for the season. Oh, man. It's just another reason. It's just another show uh, example of why the win is stupid in baseball. And hopefully we'll move away from it as a category at some point. But that's just, that's just bonkers. On the other side, Zach Gallen. Another guy who was coming off a really disappointing season, but it, was, it seemed pretty clear to most people that he was going to rebound this year. I got a bunch of shares. I'm very happy I do. And this one really should be the best matchup that we're going to see tonight. Guys, thank you again for checking us out. And I really want to say thank you for checking me out this whole season now as we enter into the, the end stages of it, I guess. Now, that doesn't mean that the pod will be ending or anything. We will go the entire year. Even in the winter, there will be shows every single day. Probably not so much fantasy-oriented in the offseason. There will be, obviously, we'll talk about every team. Previewing next season, looking back on this season, different changes, mock drafts, sleepers, busts, everything. There will still be a ton of fantasy content, but we'll move away from it a little bit because there's just hard to find fantasy content when there's no baseball actually going on. There will, We'll do what we can, but I just want to give you guys a heads up. If you did not know this already, we will be going through the entire offseason. If you listen to Dan Bespris's sister show of this, which is Fantasy NBA Today. You guys know, we go through the entire season here. Never a dull moment at Sports Ethos. So please do go check me out over on Twitter, at JoeOrico99, and at EthosFantasyBB. Those are our baseball accounts to be following. Bringing on more writers and podcasters here every single day at Sports Ethos. It feels great to be growing. If you guys want to help us grow and grow with us, reach out to myself, like I said, at JoeOrico99, or at Dan Bespris. Those are the best places to reach out now. If it's baseball, you should reach out to me. If it's basketball, football, reach out to Dan. Now, we are hiring writers, uh, whether it be fantasy or just straight up on covering the sport. We are doing team coverage podcasts, so you can essentially be a beat writer for a team. And the best example of how to look at that is look at our Ethos Memphis Grizzlies podcast on the basketball side. They literally have credentials now um, for the Memphis Grizzlies arena. I'm not sure what the arena is called where they play. But our guys are literally credentialed reporters there. They can walk into the press rooms afterwards, ask questions of the players. That's like the ideal way to go about it. And if you guys are dedicated, if you know what you're talking about, that could be something that could be in your future. So please do reach out, whether it be baseball, basketball, football, maybe even hockey, who knows. Send one of us a DM, and there might just be an opportunity here. There probably is. We have a lot of openings. If you are the right fit, obviously it's not just an automatic you have to go through the process, but if you go through the process and it works out, man, there's you can do a lot here at Sports Ethos. It's one of the best companies you're going to find in the sports industry, specifically in fantasy sports. It's been a really great time here. So once again, thank you to you guys for listening. Thank you to Sports Ethos. If any of the brass are listening, for giving me this position. Obviously, very much appreciated. Please do go leave a five-star review on the pod if you have not already. Uh, rate, reviews, downloads, all of that really helps us as we enter into the offseason. Now, downloads will go down a little bit throughout the offseason for sure. People will stop listening to baseball podcasts in the winter. It is completely understandable. You guys can help me offset that a little bit by leaving positive reviews and comments. It just helps people to continue to find the show. There will be some drop-off, but hopefully other people will pick it up and find the show along the way. So, guys, thank you. After all my rambling, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for doing all that already. If you have, really appreciate it. You guys are the good ones. We will see you back here tomorrow. But until then, best of luck in your matchups, guys. This is the crunch time. I hope you guys all are doing well, whether it be head-to-head, roto, points, whatever the hell the case may be. Cheers, everybody.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.